Folks, when you become a recipient of the good news of Jesus Christ, you become instantly a carrier of that good news. Do you understand that the good news is what your life is about? It's your life, it's who you are, it's what you do. I would even go so far as to say it's why you've been left on this planet. It is why you are here to carry that good news. And it is good news, isn't it? Yeah, man, it's the good news that you and I can be friends with God. It's the good news that others can be friends with God. You know what? When people have good news, they have a smile on their face, don't they? Maybe think about the good news you've had. Maybe this week, maybe this past month or somewhere this year. Man, you're carrying some great news. You've just learned something. Something's just happened. you got that good news. There's a smile on your face. You can't contain it. And, and you know, when you got good news, have you ever noticed you stay focused on it? I mean, you might be handling other things, dealing with other things. You might even have some bad news slip in there somewhere, but it always comes back around to the good news. You stay focused on that good news. And when you've got good news, you share it, don't you? Every time. Nobody's hiding good news. You know, folks, when you think about what you and I possess in a friendship with God, people ought to be knocking down our door to take us out to coffee. At least that's what they would take me out for. And say, man, give me what you got. Man, share this good news with me. But, but they're not knocking down my door. Are they knocking down your door? No, and there's a variety of reasons that they're not. Probably the biggest one is they're, they're sinners. And they're separated from God. They're not aware of their need. They don't care about their need. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're not going to come and ask you about that. But you know what? That's not the only reason. That's not the only reason people don't come and say, hey, tell me about that good news that clearly is in your life. One of the reasons might just be, folks, because you and I have a propensity to choose religion over relationship. And when we do that, we can actually make the good news not look so good. I want you to turn with me this morning as we look at this. Romans chapter Two, we're going to continue our study uh, of this great letter that Paul wrote to the church there in Rome. Romans chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, we've got some in the chairs in front of you. And uh, if there's not one right in front of you, there it's nearby. You point up and down the row, somebody will hand you one. But want everybody to be able to read and study along. Romans chapter 2. And we're going to be good looking at verse uh, 17 today. 17 to, to 29. Romans chapter 2, 17 to 29. It says there, Now if you call yourself a Jew, and you rest in the law, and you boast in God, and know His will, and approve the things that are superior, being instructed from the law, and are convinced that you are a guide for the blind, a light to those in darkness, an instructor of the ignorant, a teacher of the immature, having in the law the full expression of knowledge and truth, you then who teach another, do you teach yourself? You who preach, you must not steal, do you steal? You who say you must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who detest idols, do you rob their temples? You who boast in the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. For circumcision, now folks, in this first line, just for fun, 
change the word circumcision and just put religion there. For religion benefits you if you totally observe that religion. I mean, if you obey it from stem to stern, never a trip, never a mistake, you don't break away from it even for a single moment. If you are perfectly following, perfectly obeying that religion, then there's benefit. But if you're a lawbreaker, if you ever trip along the way, then your circumcision, your religion has become unreligion. And that's the part that blasphemes God in front of a watching world. Verse 26, therefore, if an uncircumcised man keeps the law's requirements, will his uncircumcision not be counted as circumcision? A man who is physically uncircumcised, but who fulfills the law will judge you who are a lawbreaker in spite of having the letter of the law and circumcision. For a person is not a Jew who is one outwardly. And true circumcision is not something visible in the flesh. On the contrary, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly. And circumcision is of the heart, by the Spirit, not the letter. His praise is not from men, but from God. Now let me, let me kind of share the angle that I'm trying to take on, on the passage today. I, I just opened up a few minutes ago talking about the good news and, and how you and I might show that good news to the world. Yet, when you read this passage, I mean... You don't see the word good news. You don't really see anything about being a witness or how you might shine negatively on God, at least not directly. No, this passage is about religion. First and foremost, for people who don't even have a relationship with God, but they're, they're stuck in religion, they're relying on religion. But I would even take it a step further and say those who've come into a relationship with God, but it's so easy for us to swing back and take hold of religion. You know, you know, religion, folks, is just simply putting stuff on the outside. You know, it's easy to put on. That's why we go back to it. We put on religious symbols here. Here at circumcision for you and I, it might be baptism or or some other religious discipline, some other religious exercise that we go through. And we put these things on the outside. And, and this is what we trust in to say that we're OK. But inside, nothing's changed. Inside we may still be lost, inside we may be living like the lost, and the world sees this hypocrisy. We put on this God-like stuff, but then we act like dead people. And this is what the Scripture says, this is what blasphemes God. I mean, folks, I guess the reason I'm taking the angle on the witness is that you and I realize, man, you know, we're saying something about God. And we have the potential to shine negatively on Him when we choose or naturally live the religion instead of the relationship. I mean, I don't know about y'all folks, but, but verse 24 just crawls up in me and eats me. It, it, it just gets on me. I mean, to think that my God, my Savior, could be made to look small. That my God, my Savior, could be made to look irrelevant because of the way I'm living. Because of my religiosity. Folks, Jesus didn't come to just put something on the outside. He came to do something on the inside, didn't He? Man, what God gave us was good. What are we doing with it? Do you think just because God gave you something, you're doing the right thing with it? You know, folks, this passage opens, verse 17. 
And man, there's a, I mean, you look in your scripture, there's a, there's a variety of phrases and things used there. Boy, you read this, it's easy to kind of get lost in it, isn't it? You just kind of start getting buried in phrases and Jew and Jew this and Jew that. And I'm not a Jew. I don't, does this count for me? Am I, is this supposed to be about me? What do I do with this? And yet what this passage is very simply talking about is something that God gave to a group of people. He gave them five things. First of all, he gave them a title. He said, man, you're, you're, you're a Jew. The second thing he gave them was a, a possession. They have the word of God. He gave them then a, a unique relationship. They were God's chosen people, God's, God's special people. And he gave them a special knowledge. Man, they, they had knowledge of God's will. They know, they know who God is. They know what he's doing. They know where he's going. All of this again revealed in that special possession they have, the word of God. And man, he gave them a special responsibility, a special assignment, a reason to live on this planet. Man, I want you to carry this to the nations. I want you to guide people from from darkness to light. Now, folks, these are five great things. These are things you want. These are things that put you in in a good relationship with him. These are things that put you in a good relationship with others. And the Jews, they received this, but then they did Well, they did what we can all do. They took these things from God and they began to think, hey, I'm I'm a little bit better than other people. (laughs) I mean, look, look what I have. And all of a sudden they began to have an, an arrogance, a pride. And in that arrogance and pride, they use that to to separate themselves from people. You're not you're not as good as me. You don't have what I have completely forgetting That what they had said nothing about how good they were. What they had said everything about how good God was. What they had was an expression of His grace and His kindness. Completely forgetting that everything God gave them, He gave them to carry to the world. I'm giving you this to carry and to share. Now, why do we do that? Why do they do that? How do we take this great position with God, this great position with others, and we turn it into arrogance and pride and push other people away? How how do we do that? Well, it's pretty simple, folks. Religion's just, it's just a lot easier. It makes me look good. You know, folks, when without religion, we're just we're just kind of people, aren't we? You know, I mean, if I look like this, you come up and you ask me for directions, don't you? You know, like this, we we you know, we can go to a cookout together. You know, we can go bowling together. But somewhere along the way, maybe I grow up with it, but somewhere along the way, I put on what I'm going to call this morning uh, the robes of religion. I put on these robes. And by the way, folks, it's going to be hot this morning. This robe is hot in these lights. (laughs) But I put on these robes. Now, are you going to come up and ask me directions now? Oh, no. Now, see, I put this on and it just... It separates us a little bit, doesn't it? I mean, clearly, I'm, I'm just better than you. <laughs> I mean, I, I really am. I, I mean, you might look over here and, I'm, you know, I've got my, my baptism and, you know, I've got my confirmation class and, and I've got this list of rules that show how good I am and it's a list of rules you're not very good at obeying so it kind of shows how bad you are. And, and you know, this just kind of sends off a vibe, doesn't it? I mean, isn't that, isn't that kind of the, the statement about religion? You know, religious people, they think they're better than everybody else. <laughs> well, I am better than everybody else. You see, this, this just this puts a little bit of distance in us. 
the reason we do this is because it's easy. See, nothing's changed about me. I mean, I take these off and I'm the same guy. But see, I can put this on. It doesn't require any change. And now I've got this stuff I can put my faith in and, and nothing's changed. But, but I can feel better about myself and it shows me how good you're not, which makes me even feel more better about myself. Hey, we're kind of back to last week's message, right? We're, we're back to that comparison game that we play. And so this is, this is just easy. I go on living in my sin. I go on living in my death. But now I have this confidence, this arrogance that, that, I'm, that I'm okay with God. That, that I'm better than you. But folks, Jesus didn't come to give us something just to clean up the outside, did He? Jesus didn't come to just kind of put a new paint job on and, and say we're okay. Man, Jesus came to change what's going on inside. As a matter of fact, Jesus addressed this really clearly with a, a group of people wearing a robe much like I would be wearing. He said in Matthew 23, verse 25, He said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee! Clean the inside of the cup! So the outside may become clean also. Then he says this, listen to this illustration. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs. You know, that's the same today, isn't it? You know, he, he takes them to a cemetery. And says, man, look how clean it is. Look how pretty it is. That, that's true in our culture today too, isn't it? I mean, quite often you can go to a cemetery and it's... I mean, it's a very serene, very peaceful place. It's a very beautiful place. Usually there's nice trees and the, and the lawn is manicured and the, the tombstones are nice and decorative and there's monuments and statues out there and it's, it's very, very nice. And you've got all this niceness, all this prettiness containing what? Death! You, you've got all this niceness, all this prettiness containing rotting flesh. Now listen to what Jesus says here. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. You're like whitewashed tombs which appear beautiful on the outside, but inside are full of dead men's bones and every impurity. In the same way, on the outside you seem righteous to people, but inside you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Did you hear that? On the outside. That's what religion works on. I clean up the outside, I look good on the outside, I'm confident, I got, you know, I got my bars, I'm ready to go, I stand good before God, and I certainly look better than you, and so that gives me another bar on my sleeve. But inside, I'm dead. I mean, I've, I've now got a, a false confidence. I can, folks, you realize, you can be, you can live an exemplary Christian life and have a one-way ticket to hell. Absolutely nothing has changed. Now what gets really sad is that you and I can come into a relationship with God and still put on the robes. Still put our faith and our confidence in the robes. Folks, Jesus did not come to give us religion. He didn't come to give us a better religion. Man, Jesus came to give us friendship with God. A friendship that we would carry to the world. Now, how do we deal with this? I mean, folks, we live in a religious society. We don't live in an atheistic society. We live in a religious society. The world lives in a religious society. Man goes after religions. 
And even as believers, even when people come into a relationship, we have that propensity. How, how do we resolve this? How do we look into our own lives and say, am I trusting in the robe or am I living the relationship? You know, when I think of religion, two words come to my mind. Church and rules. I mean, if, if you say or if you hear somebody say, man, they are really, they're a very religious person. Aren't you going to assume they go to church a lot? At least in America, if somebody says, man, you're a really religious person, that means you go to church a lot. Is church the problem? You know, if somebody's religious, that probably means they keep a set of rules. Now, whether it's God's rules, or whether they've kind of crafted them into man's rules, whether they're using those rules to enjoy God or using those rules to beat others up, but, but when you think of religion, there's a set of rules in there somewhere, isn't there? Are, are rules the problem? See, I don't think we can say church is the problem because Jesus loves the church. And Jesus loves you and He loves me as an individual. I'll tell you something. Jesus gets passionate about us gathered. When we gather to read and study His Word, when we gather to worship and to pray, when we gather to go back out into our communities and our world with the good news, when we, go, when we gather to go back out into our community to serve and to bless and to show the goodness and the kindness of God, man, Jesus gets passionate about that. Jesus loves the church. So whatever we've got to figure out about religion and whether I'm stuck in it, I've got to figure out where church fits in there. Because I would think you'd find a lot in our culture today say, man, yeah, I don't need that church thing. I'm just, it's just me and Jesus. I don't get all up into that church stuff. I mean, don't you see in our society kind of a rejection against formal religion? That's a way of saying I'm too lazy to go to church, but here's a way to feel good about it. Be careful casting out the church because Jesus doesn't. When he comes back to this world, he's coming for his church. He's coming for us gathered, not individuals. He's coming for us gathered. Be careful about saying, well, you know, it's not about the rules. Folks, God, God's pretty big up into rules, don't you think? I mean, he started with this thing we call Ten Commandments. Guess what those are? Those are rules. This is right and this is wrong. And there's a consequence for not getting it. There's some big consequences for not getting it. God's up into rules. But you and I have an ability, watch this, to put on church, to put on rules in a way that nothing actually changes. We wear it on the outside. We wear it when we're around each other. We wear it when we're in the building that we call a church. But we take it right back off again. And inside it's still dead men's bones. Inside there's still no relationship with God. Say, well, well how, how do you know? How, how do I know if I'm doing that? There, there's two words here at the end of verse 29 that, that I think are really key to this whole thing of trying to figure out, am I stuck in religion or am I living the relationship? Just two simple words in verse 29. It's the word heart. Do you see it? If, if you've got your own Bible, you might want to circle that. It's heart. It's not about what's going on outwardly. It's not something that you see in the flesh. It's not something that you see in a robe. It's something in the heart. And then the second word is praise. You might, we might want to circle that word praise. Now how do these two words help me to understand? Well folks, it, if I'm living the relationship, then it's about a heart. You know, when there's a heart, we use that word heart. You know, we say, I heart you. That means what? I love you. Thank you very much for the help. 
Yeah, I heart you. I love you. There's a passion. There's an excitement. There's an affection there because my heart is in love with Jesus Christ. And you know what? When you're in love with Christ, you have affections for the things that Christ has affections for. Are you in love with what Jesus is in love with? You see, it's real easy for you and I sitting in a church building when you say, do you love Jesus? Yes. I mean, at that moment, we're just like Pavlov's dog, right? You just respond whether you love him or not. Whether your love is genuine, whether your love is growing, you know, inside this building, do you love Jesus? Yes. I mean, we just respond. Well, let me let me ask a different question. Do you love what Jesus loves? Uh, yeah. Do you know what Jesus loves? I don't know if I love what Jesus loves. You know what? I know what my wife loves. And if I love my wife, then I work at loving the things she loves, don't I? Now, you know what? Not everything my wife loves naturally is something I would love. But as I grow in love with her, I more and more and more want to have affection for and enjoy the things that she enjoys and that she loves. I mean, just love just does that, doesn't it? Wouldn't the same be true with Jesus? as I grow in love with Him, as I know Him better and better, then I'm going to have affections for the things that He has affections for. Let me tell you something. Jesus has tremendous affection for His Father and His Father's glory. Jesus has great affection for His church. You and I gathered. Are you in love with God? The Father and and the expression of His glory. Are you in love with God's people gathered? Do you find a greater and greater affection for that? Or if you go, huh, what? I mean, that, that might be a sign that you're really not growing in any kind of heart relationship, any kind of love relationship. See, religion doesn't ever require that I think about any of that stuff. Religion just requires that I cover my religious bases, right? I just got to dot my I's, cross my T's, make sure I got the appropriate number of bars and that I look good. And then I'm obviously I want to be a little bit better than you, because remember, we're all going to get in line and go through a judgment. And I just want to make sure the, the person in front of me and the person right behind me look worse than I do. I don't ever have to measure any of this other stuff. What, what about the heart? You see, folks, in, in a relationship, we're always being driven to the heart. And a heart in love is going to do a lot of things that you and I call religion, but the motive is completely different. As a matter of fact, the motive leads to that second thing. It's praise. Praise is about exaltation. You know what? When you've got a heart, you want to exalt A heart for God wants to exalt God. Once I I want to see how great and big He is. If I love you, I want you to see how great and big He is. It's all about the praise and the worship, the exaltation, the bigness of our God. But in religion, I'm in religion. I'm just basically wanting to see how good I am. Did you see? I'm, I'm at church today. This is 37 Sundays out of 37 this year. You see how much I gave? It's more than you. See, religion is about me. It's about me looking good. You know, if you go out on the street, you ask me, hey, what's religion about? It's about God's stuff. No. Would you throw a curveball at you here? Religion actually is not about God at all. Not any religion. Not, 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 whatever the title is, religion is about me. Religion is my way of looking good before whatever God is out there and whatever that God expects and wants. But religion ultimately is about me. It's about the magnification of me. But in a relationship, it's about the 
the magnification of God. Folks, this is a big deal to get. You remember the letter to the Romans is about righteousness. It's about being in right standing with God, right standing with others. The righteous go to heaven. The unrighteous go to hell. The righteous are going to heaven not because of the robe they have. They're going to heaven because of their faith in Jesus Christ. That's what verses, uh, chapter 1, verses 16 and 17 showed us, remember? And that's the theme of this letter. But then in verse 18 and following through, through into chapter 4, we're seeing all of the ways that without that faith, you and I are not righteous, no matter how good our robe is. And a matter of fact, the section we're in right now is saying, your religion does not make you righteous. How religious you are does not make you in right standing with God. So man, I really want to get this. I really, I need to figure out, you need to figure out, am I living the robe? Is my faith in the robe? Or do I actually have a, a, a growing relationship with God? Let me give you a, a couple of questions maybe to, to kind of think through and consider whether it's all on the outside for you or not. How about church? When you, when you came to church this morning, was it to be blessed? <laughs> the answer is yes. I mean, we're Americans, aren't we? It's about me. That, that's why we leave here and say, you know, did the music bless me today? Did the sermon bless me today? Did somebody speak to me and bless me today? Now, folks, honestly, I hope every day you leave here, I hope you pull off this lot thinking, man, I was blessed today. I was encouraged, I was inspired, I was helped, I was aided. That should be a byproduct though. When you pull onto this lot, when I pull on this lot, it should not be to be blessed. Now that's what religion tells you. You know, I pick the church that does it for me. I, I pick the religion that does it for me. But this isn't about religion, this is about a relationship and I'm, I'm pulling onto the lot and instead of thinking about what I get, I'm thinking, hey, I wonder what God got this, what God got this morning. Do, do you ever drive off, you're talking to your family and you, you get up there to the light, you think, man, did, was God blessed by my thoughts today? Well, was God blessed by my, my conversations and relationships? Was God blessed by the passion with which I sang? Was God blessed by the intensity that I opened His Word and studied it and, and sought to figure out where this goes in my life? Was God blessed? Were God's people served? Folks, I think you'll find that the more and more and more you make that your motive for pulling off this, onto this lot and pulling off this lot, the more blessed you actually end up getting. But do you see the difference? One is a focus on me. One is a focus on God. One's a magnification of me. One is a magnification of God. What, what about when you obey the rules? Do you obey the rules to make God happy? Came to church today to make God happy. I gave today to make God happy. Tried to serve someone because that's, you know, the golden rule and the whole religious thing. You've got, you got to do something for somebody else. It's not really about them. It's just about me checking off one of my religious credits. Or am I obeying rules because, man... In those rules, God is showing me how He created and how He designed life and how I can live in a way that, that expresses Him, that represents Him and shows Him. What a cool life to get to live! See, it's the magnification of God or the taking care of me. 
or maybe a step beyond obedience, what about, what about sacrifice? I'm not talking about just obeying the rules. I'm not, I, mean, I, I mean, I gave a lot today. Yeah, a lot of money, a lot of time, a, a, a lot of... I sacrifice. Do you sacrifice? Because that kind of puts you in good with God. And God, you see what I did over here? I mean, Lord, that's a lot. That's a lot more than a lot of people. So now uh, you owe me. And let me tell you where you can pay that off. I mean, folks, that's, what hap- that's exactly what happens in religion. It's a you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. God, I just had a big sacrifice here. You're obligated to me now. Or am I actually pursuing sacrifice because it's just just another place, another way I can express the depth of my love. The depth of what you mean to me. There's no sacrifice that's too deep because there's no sacrifice that fully represents how great you are to me. What about others? Generally speaking, religion doesn't see others, and when it sees others, it's just here again what you can do for me. Either I'm going to compare myself to you, I'm going to find the person I compare well with, or I'm going to use you. I got I got to do something good here. Here here's twenty dollars. There I gave to the poor. God, did you see that? There's no real genuine concern for the poor, other than that just now made me look good. Or am I constantly seeing in every single set of eyes a soul? And I'm always wondering, man, do they know and enjoy the Savior that I know and enjoy? And what can I do so that maybe they come to know and enjoy that Savior for the very first time in a relationship? Or maybe they already have a relationship, but but what is some way that I can encourage and aid and bless that relationship? Religion's always about the outside. Religion's always about me. A relationship's always about the inside. It's always about the magnification of God and, and, and serving of others. So where are you today? Are, are you counting on religion? Or are you living a growing, thriving relationship? Folks, it's a big deal. If it's religion is all you got, you're not a child of God. The scripture would say if you're not a child of God, then, then your eternal destiny is, is horrific. You, you don't know of anything bad on this earth. Horrible. But the good news is God wants to rescue you from that future. He wants to save you from that future. And it's not wearing a silly robe. God's not so small that he gets some kind of pleasure. Here's three hoops. If you jump through all three of them, I'm blessed. That's what religion is, isn't it? You know, God is somehow pleased if I eat this, but I don't eat that. If I go to church, you know, at least 48 out of 52. How would that, how, why does that, why would God get a kick out of that? Because that's what we reduce it to, don't we? Set of rules. Man, Jesus came not only to call you out of sin, He came to call you out of religion and call you into a relationship. Have you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Are you living a relationship? And if you are living a relationship... And I would assume many of us in this room are. Man, are you enjoying what you've been given? You know, no differently than the Jew folks. You and I have the same thing. We've been given a title. I'm a child of God. I'm in direct relationship with the King of all kings. That's pretty cool. I'm pretty proud of that. But I don't want that to turn into arrogance. I want that to turn into an excitement that I get to carry that relationship to others. 
and give them the same opportunity. Man, not only, not only do I have a title, I have a possession. Man, I, I have the Word of God. I live it. Study it. Proclaim it. Man, there's rules in here. And they're good rules. There's right and wrong. Understand them. Have a conviction about them. And express them boldly. With gentleness. And kindness. Because when you and I live and express the rules out there, it's not to beat somebody in a debate. It's not to show them how bad they are. It's to show them how good the rules can be for them. It's because we actually care about them. Not want to not defeat them. Not want to beat the bad, ugly sinner. I care about them. I want them to enjoy what I have. Because I don't deserve what I have. Any more than the person I'm talking to. Man, you and I have a special knowledge. We know the will of God. You should desire nothing less in your life. You should desire nothing more in your life than God. What is your will right here? And folks, you and I have a special assignment. It's to guide people. It's to guide people. Do you realize that's why you're on this planet? And God gives you a hundred platforms, a home, a workplace, a school, a community, an entire world, a whole variety of relationships to, from strangers to intimacy. And all of these platforms, your one goal for being there is how do I guide somebody from darkness to light here? That's why you're here. Guide somebody from darkness to light. Are you living the religion? Or are you living a relationship? Let's pray. Father, today I pray that you would give each of us a, a wisdom, a discernment, whether it be right now in this very moment or whether it be in the day or the week ahead, to really stop and evaluate our lives. To really stop and evaluate where is my faith, what's happening Am I, am I living all on the outside with no change to the inside? Or am I enjoying what's on the inside and taking the opportunity to share it with others? Lord, I am confident that in this room right now there are people that Satan has deceived and he's got them stuck, fully engaged in religion. They have no relationship. They, they, they have a false security about heaven and about who they are with you because they're depending on some outward acts. God, would you speak to them right now and say, it's you. And I'm telling you this because I love you. I'm telling you this because I want to rescue from what Satan's got you deceived in. And Lord, may today be the day they leave religion and come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Lord, for many of us in here, we have that relationship. God, would you give us the ability to evaluate what's happening in that love relationship? Are we, are we being driven and motivated by that love? Are we growing in that love? Are we sharing that love? Lord, I pray that nobody would leave here this week and live a life that would blaspheme you before a watching world but rather may we live a life that magnifies your greatness and glory and makes so attractive what it is to be in friendship with God. May that be true of every one of us in this room. It's in Jesus' name that we pray.
Amen.